You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Students, welcome back to another episode of Answers to Gospel Questions. I'm your host, Brother Lawson, along with the other host, the co-host, the host with the most toast, Brother Eric Wing. How are you, Brother Wing? Man, how did you come up with that just on the fly? It just was on the fly. I I could have been a rapper, uh, but I can't think of what rhymes with rapper. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think you got the right job. All right, that's good. That's good. Hey, we've been talking this week about uh, terms, words that we sometimes use as members of the church or that we hear all the time. And it's just kind of part of, it's become part of who we are. But those those words aren't always, don't always convey accurately the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of these words, uh, all of these words, we've been instructed to be careful the way that we we use them so that we don't convey uh, the wrong message. So let me tell you, I'll, I'll give you an example, Brother Wing. So one thing that gets, uh, that I think every member of the church has heard is um, right after the ordinance of the sacrament uh, takes place, or right before, the, uh, it usually happens twice in a sacrament meeting, um, right before the ordinance of the sacrament takes place, a member of the bishopric gets up and they'll say, um, we'll sing this hymn, and after this hymn, uh, the sacrament will be administered to us by the priesthood, um, meaning the, the young men that, that do that. Uh, and then after the, the sacrament is over, the member of the bishopric gets up and says, we'd like to thank the priesthood for the reverent manner in which the sacrament well, I think you have to use the phrase reverent manner uh in, <laughs> like I wonder if there's ever been an irreverent manner in which the sacrament has been administered to the Lord uh, I would hope not but um you'll also hear phrases like hey there's a big priesthood activity uh that's coming up on on Friday so what's wrong with any of those you might be saying there's a yeah bro Lawson I hear that all the time what's wrong with that there's just one problem. It's kind of a big problem. And the problem is the priesthood does not mean a gender. Priesthood is the power of God given to his children, right? So priesthood is not a, a gender. So when we say something like there's going to be a priesthood activity, that doesn't really make sense uh, in the with the proper definition of priesthood. Uh, if We're going to have a chili cook-off priesthood activity right? You, you might need a, a priesthood blessing after the chili cook-off uh, if, if, you, if you had some bad chili, but, uh, but, we're, but rather we would say, we'd say something like there's an elders quorum chili cook-off this week, or in, in the sacrament meeting, we'd say, we'd like to thank these young men who hold the priesthood of God for uh, administering the sacrament, or the sacrament will be administered to us by young men who have been authorized uh, to perform this priesthood function um, or this function of the priesthood. And so I like those. I like those explanations. That's that's given the guy that's conducting this meeting something else that's more accurate to go off of. You know, President Ballard said men have the unique responsibility to administer the priesthood, but they are not the priesthood. And I've heard others say that, that men are not the priesthood. 
And so um, to clarify that, and I do want to just give this one qualifier for anybody out there who has conducted a meeting possibly and have accidentally said this phrase, you know, that they thanked the priesthood for that. Um, hey, we understand when you're at the pulpit conducting, this is not an exactly comfortable experience for everybody. And um, it's, you know, sometimes we just kind of when we're up there and we got everybody looking at us, you just kind of say what comes to mind. So you obviously say reverent manner or whatever else that goes with it. And so we're not, we're not making fun of you. We're just saying, these are some phrases that we could, we could do better with. There was one time when I was conducting and I forgot the opening hymn and prayer. I just went straight into the talks. And that's why you have counselors to say, Hey, whoa, Bishop, you're, you're going crazy. So that's true. My counselors, I remember uh, I called two new counselors. I'm the bishop right now in my ward, and I called two new counselors, and we had this discussion uh, in bishopric meeting, and that's all it is. Like We, we talked about uh, the name of the church last time. We, we talked about the, I know for a fact that I have used the, the term uh, atonement in the wrong way. I know that I've, I've used that word wrong but then was corrected and and learned the correct usage for it and so um there's no there's nothing wrong with having done something wrong in the past or done something uh um use the term incorrectly in the past but going forward you just learn something new so uh so that's great so speaking of that there's another term that uh i'm sure that most of us have used before that is also inaccurate and not a correct way to uh to teach a particular doctrine tell us that brother wing yeah so free agency is another term that is commonly used we'll say free agency i think like we said before this is a term that i think most people know what we mean when we say it uh, but it can convey the wrong message uh about that in fact the, the term free agency isn't in the scriptures uh the the word moral agency has been used most of the time, it's just agency um, to say that. To, to say free agency could convey the wrong idea. And I think typically the, the, the idea that comes out wrongly of that phrase is, hey, I can do whatever I want, you know. And that's not why God gave us agency to just do whatever we want. I think he does want us to get to the point where we can actually do whatever we want. <laughs> but that requires <laughs> us to use our moral agency um, and obey him uh, with it, then we can strengthen our agency and we can gain greater access to the power uh, that he has given us. And we can grow um, in that as we obey him. We get, so what we, about though, like there's like, you can go back and read some conference talks from back in the day, the general authorities have used the term free agency. Yeah, you, you can, you definitely will see it. And I think that's just a classic example of when you see that, from some talk from 1945 or probably or even more recent. And then you say, oh yeah, what he meant is agency or moral agency. Right. right. He, he didn't mean one of these other kind of misinterpretations that could come from just a, a less ideal choice of words. But the chances of us hearing the phrase free agency over the pulpit at general conference, like this coming uh, April are pretty low. Yeah, pretty low. Pretty as as low as you would say. Hear someone say, "I'm a Mormon" at general conference. <laughs> yeah, excellent, excellent. Hey, there's a there's another term that is 
that's often used in the in the church. And this one's kind of a, a sensitive one. So you're gonna you might have to replay this podcast a, a couple times to uh to really understand what's being said here. But the term is unconditional love. Now, Brother Wing, you might be thinking I'm talking out, you know, I'm speaking out against like mother love or apple pie or just you know these what are you trying to say the term unconditional love isn't a thing no it is a thing like unconditional love is an actual term but like you were saying about free agency you can read the scriptures till doomsday and you're never going to find the phrase unconditional love right uh in fact elder christopherson um he talked about just in last general conference he spoke about uh, that term unconditional he's spoken about it before and the reason the reason why uh, that term shouldn't be used to describe the love that our father in heaven has for us is that it can he says elder christopherson says it can convey mistaken impressions about divine love such as god tolerates everything and does not judge us because his love is unconditional that would be improper to think that god doesn't judge us uh and that he tolerates everything he that we do right or that god doesn't make any demands upon us because his love is unconditional or that everybody gets saved in the kingdom of god because god's love is unconditional god's love uh elder christopherson says is infinite and it's going to endure forever but what it means for each of us depends on how we respond to his love so surely like god loves all of his children but not all of his children respond to that love in the same way when 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 god shows his love to to me he gives me opportunities to make covenants with him and to be obedient he doesn't it just doesn't mean that he excuses me from from all of the uh, the willful rebellion or sin that's that's in my life and so yeah god loves all of his children but he he blesses those who who keep his commandments uh and and he blesses them in amazing ways uh even for the smallest commandment what do you think about that brother wing yes i that's a great explanation my way of just kind of summarizing that i suppose is is that he does love us all and part of that love is the conditions that he has taught us you know that there are some conditions, some commandments that he's given us. That's an extension of his love. Uh, and if, as we take those uh, and obey his commandments, we're going to be able to see and experience and feel more uh, of his love. So we don't want to overemphasize or actually distort his love into something that doesn't have any to where that to where there's no commandments basically is i think what someone or that he could or that he would change divine law right um, out of his love right and that's kind of what i think that the sense if we're not careful that that can creep in like it doesn't matter what i do god is going to save me in the celestial kingdom that sounds a, a bit like uh oh man some some folks in the book of mormon that things didn't end up so well for them the uh, well, you'll read about that this week and come follow me in section 130 of the Doctrine and Covenants. You'll learn that all blessings are predicated upon obedience. They're not predicated on unconditional love of, of Heavenly Father, but they're, they're predicated upon uh, our obedience to the, to the gospel. 
So um, that's a, those just, are great terms. Yeah, go ahead. I just thought of this. Um, isn't that kind of like when, you know, Zeezrom is trying to make the point when he's trying to trick Amulek and he's like, God will save them in yeah. their sins. And Amulek's like, no, you know, he'll save us from uh, our sins. And there's yeah, a really, that's a great, yeah. And it comes up later in the Book of Mormon too. Like this is one of the things that's emphasized in the Book of Mormon to save us from, like that's his love. He's not going to just, so he loves us so much that he's going to just let us stay down, you know? Right. He's going to, he, his love is going to lift us and he will save us from our sins. Right. Kind of, that just reminded me of that story I told on a previous podcast where, when I killed that chicken, right? My love, my unconditional love for that chicken killed it. I didn't let it struggle. I didn't, I, I, I opened that shell uh, for that chicken instead of uh, letting that chicken uh, strengthen itself and, so God's love for us is conditioned uh, upon our obedience, and that's what makes it so powerful. If it was unconditional love, uh, if God loved us unconditionally, there'd be very little power to it. That's one of the reasons why, like, uh, when you go into a like a marriage relationship, uh, it's told the the strong marriages have love. Their love love between the husband and wife is conditioned upon upon covenants, right? Upon uh, vows and, and promises to each other. We just don't uh, treat someone like garbage and then expect, you know, uh, to be loved back by them and like, oh, you have unconditional love for me. I can do whatever I want. And you're going to, I'm going to reap the blessings of this marriage. It's just, that's a, that's a cheap form of love. So a much stronger love is, is that conditional love. There's another great article that President Nelson wrote about that, about unconditional love that students, you can look up if you want. It's February 2001 uh, Enzyme. It's not a conference talk. It's just an article that he wrote for the Enzyme um, or Liahona as it's referred to now. Anything and I would just that? add, I would just add here that, you know, we, we would obviously God's love is there even when we can't or we aren't in a situation to uh, think that we, you know, that we can have it, you know, or that we can receive it, that his love can, can surpass our own sin you know, so that's the point is like, turn to him, repent, and then we can feel his love. And so he does love us. He does want us to repent. That's, that is the point. When we, when we do sin, we kind of um, expose ourselves to the deception of the devil. Who's yeah. going to say that we can't repent or that God doesn't love us anymore. Right. Because of our sin. And that's not true. Like he does love us. And, and so, so therefore, uh, seek those conditions, right? Seek right. the repentance that's available because it is available and the devil's going to try to make you think that it's not. And that's a lie. Um, and so don't give in to this on either side that God doesn't have laws or nor that he doesn't love you. Those are both lies. Right. Absolutely. In fact, this is, as you were saying that the scriptural term walking in darkness at noonday popped into my mind in order to walk in darkness at noonday you have to basically go into you have to seek shelter from the sun and so in in essence you're someone who can't feel the love of god or has to has to purposely put themselves in a condition where they don't want to experience that sunlight uh in their life that they want to they would rather walk in darkness even when there's light all around them and so God's love and that light is always there for you. Um, 
but you have to you have to put yourself in position uh, to to feel it, and and that's we do that through obedience and, and keeping covenants. All right, students, excellent. Well, we've gone through a bunch of uh, terms and definitions this week. We got Fat Friday coming up. If you have other questions or concerns about uh, that you'd like to like us to address during this podcast, you let us know. But until Friday. We love your guts. Stay righteous.